Uh, my name is DJ Iverson. I'm the associate pastor here at New Vintage Church. I want to say uh, welcome to you. If this is your first time here, uh, we appreciate you being present here. If you're watching online, uh, we hope your couch is comfy, and uh, we're glad that you're joining us online too. Um, we are in a series called Truish, and we are taking a look at uh, statements that sound good, that seem true maybe when you hear them at first, but when you scratch the surface a little bit, uh, you see it doesn't necessarily line up uh, with God's will. Uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be popping all over the Bible this morning. If uh, you're looking for a place to bookmark, uh, you can head to Romans 12. Uh, we're going to end up there in a little while. Um, if you've got you know, the uh, UVersion Bible app on your phone, you can check out uh, the events down on the bottom right-hand corner. You can follow along with the notes there. Um, I've got to say, uh, I watch a lot of Sesame Street. <laughs> I have for years before I had kids. No, um, no, we're watching a lot of Sesame Street right now. And you know how every episode, you know, it's sponsored by a letter and a number. And they have like one word that it's kind of like for the whole day, like today's episode's about karate or whatever. Um, Today, I'm kind of taking my cue from, we're going to do like a reverse Sesame Street. We're going to unlearn something today. Uh, I'm taking my cue from Asa the Grouch. Uh, today is kind of like a funeral for a phrase. It's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, it, it's a truer statement. It's a little different. It's not something necessarily we hear a lot from like culture, but more something that we, we tend to say ourselves. Um, and, and so we are declaring a moratorium. We're, we're pulling the phrase, it's just who I am, out of our lexicon today. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you, you can cheer for that. That's fine. We're, we're, after today, you no longer have permission to use that phrase. Uh, we'll come after you. I don't know what we'll do. I, we, we won't do that, but um, we will do something. Um, yeah, I don't like that phrase. It's just who I am. Uh, and I've heard it a lot. I think the one that sticks out the most, this will be a little bit of a confession time for me. Um, I, I don't always handle myself well in uh, these situations, uh, but you guys hopefully understand. About four or five years ago, I'm at the grocery store. It was late in the day, long day, and it was one of those days where every line was about 30 minutes long, um, and everybody in the express lane had 50 things in their basket. Um, so, you know, it's, it, after like 10 minutes in, in the grocery store line, things kind of descend into like Mad Max, like dystopian future. So I, I'm going to give myself a little bit of slack for how I responded to the situation. I didn't want to get involved, but I did. Um, there were two women arguing uh, in front of me, um, and one was just worse than the other. And, and you're just sitting there like, just please let my cell phone get reception so I can like focus on, I actually read the tabloids, like that's how desperate I got to not pay attention. And um, they're criticizing each other and yelling at each other, which is a great thing to do when you're stuck in the line at the grocery store. Uh, great entertainment for all involved. Um, using language that would make Snoop Dogg blush, it was just, yeah, it, it, was, it was bad news. and. One was criticizing the other, and she pulled out, the, well, it's just who I am. 
Well, end of conversation there, right? Like, that's a conversation ender. We just, we throw that out there, and no, we're done. It's just who I am. And they looked at me. Like, you're in on this, right? Like, what do you have to say? At least that's what I thought. Um, but they kind of looked into me, and I'm like, I'm included in this already. I might as well. And, and I threw something out there, and... and on reflection, I think it was true. I, I still think it's true. I'm basing a sermon off of this. Um, I probably didn't say it in the right way. Uh, I didn't say it in the right way, so I apologize. If you're listening online, I'm sorry. Um, but what I said was, typically when people say it's just who I am, it's about something they just need to change. So that went over well. <laughs> Anybody else like awkward moments? That was a great one. I'm like, so M&M's, huh, guys? Um, but, but I think there's some truth there. I think there's some truth. A lot of times when we say it's just who I am, it's about something we just need to change. And so I'm going to give you guys permission to do a couple things today. Um, as we're talking about making change in our life, I'm going to be, we're going to talk about sin, and there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different sins we can address. And it's going to have to step on toes a little bit. And, and so to do that, I'm going to use a lot of hyperbole today. Um, I'm going to use some stuff I don't wrestle with um, that we can kind of laugh about a little bit so we can kind of comfortably talk about uh, the sin in our lives. I'm going to say stuff about, like, struggling with being a bank robber. Not a struggle of mine. Thought about it. Not a struggle. Uh, we'll talk about... You know, being a bank robber, we'll talk about knocking over liquor stores or, or stealing cars, all things that I have not seen in our prayer requests. Um, so that I don't, I don't think anybody in the church is necessarily struggling with this. So we're going to kind of use this as hyperbole. I'm going to ask you to do a couple things today. When I use this hyperbole, I want you to fill in the blank. When you hear me say bank robber, I want you to fill in the blank with something that's a little bit more realistic for you. So that you don't hear bank robber. That's the fun talk from up here. But when I say bank robber, when I say knocking over a liquor store, when I say stealing, you know, car thief, whatever, I want you to substitute in some of those things maybe you've been struggling with in your life. Some of the sins that keep, kind of, that keep occurring in your life. I'm also going to ask you to do a second thing. I really don't like the word just in this context, where it's like, oh, it's just who I am, kind of like a, it's simply who I am. So, if I use the word just as like a filler, you know how like in Toastmasters, if you say uh or um as a filler, they hit a bell and ding you? I'm going to give you permission to boo. Some of you guys are going to do that anyway. Um, I'm going to give you permission, I'm going to re reshape that, I'm going to give you permission to boo. If you hear me use the word just, and I'm not talking about... <laughs> <laughs> of all the people, I knew exactly who was going to do that. Um, if I'm not using that word in the context of the statement we're talking about, if I use that as a filler, then you have permission to boo. Otherwise, just boo as you normally do, Rich. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so a few observations on the phrase it's just who I am. I, I feel like there's a spectrum here. Um, it kind of, it, it starts off with something kind of simple, and, and then it goes into something that we've weaponized a little bit. 
Um, so first observation, real quick. When we use the phrase, it's just who I am, we're showing a lack of care. Uh, the, the, the phrase here that would go with this, go ahead and pull the next slide up. The phrase here that would go with this, I'm not willing to do the hard work necessary to change my life. I just don't care. It's just who I am. I don't care about making changes. It's a statement, I don't even want to know what it would take to make my life more Christ-like. Just leave me alone. Oh, good job. I don't care enough about growing my relationship with God to make the necessary changes in my life. I'm lazy. I don't have the energy. I'm too tired for this. I've tried. I failed. I don't care. I'm not willing to do the hard work that I know that I need to do in my life. That's kind of the beginning of the spectrum here with it's just who I am. It's a little bit of laziness. It's a little bit of looking at insurmountable odds and saying, I don't want any. Or, the first scripture I want to pull in is uh, James chapter 1. I, I feel like this uh, passage addresses the, it's just who I am feeling here. James 1, starting in verse 22, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You listen, then you put into action. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's laziness. I looked, noticed, moved on, don't care. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The scripture's saying that it's a call away from laziness. It's saying, look, you see something, you take notice of this, you don't idly stand back and just let that sin, good job. You don't let that sin sit there in your life. You do something about it. It's a call away from laziness. Second observation. This one's getting a little bit more serious. Observation number two, when we say, that's just who I am, it's a message of self-doubt. I'm not capable of making the changes I know that I need to make. It's not an I don't care. I recognize this. I care about this. I'm not capable of doing this. I don't have the strength. I don't have what it takes to overcome this sin in my life. And what this demonstrates really is... Uh, it's a reliance upon self. And reliance upon self is always going to end in a downward spiral of frustration. Reliance of self will always end in a downward spiral of frustration because the truth is, we all mess up. None of us have 100% of the time lived up to every ounce of potential we possibly have. Even the best of the best of the best always know that there's something else they could have done, something else. It's part of what keeps us moving and growing and striving to do better. At some point, we all fall short. If you haven't, I would love to invite you up here because I would love to hear what you have to say in your sermon. But I think the truth is we know that we've all fall short of our goals sometimes. 
And, and we try and make these changes, and, and we've relied upon ourselves, and we said, I don't have the strength for this. And every time we mess up, Satan goes, see, I told you so. You thought you could do it, but you can't. I told you, you can't. Don't even bother. And it's frustrating. When we say this, it, it, it's just who I am, we're, we're giving in to this self-doubt that plagues us. And, and I think Paul really got this. I think this is a, a big point of his frustration. The best tongue twister in the Bible, Romans 7, uh, starting in verse 15. I'm going to see if I can do this without tripping up. I've never done that, so we'll see. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. If I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, my sinful, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Man, this captures so much of my frustration. This captures so much of the frustration with the changes that I know I need to make in my life, right? The, the sin that, that, maybe it's not even the, the crippling kind of sin, it's just that sin that's always present. That sin that just nags and nags and nags. It's so frustrating. And, and we sit there and we say these statements like, oh, it's just who I am. We recognize, I think we recognize, we, we don't have the strength to do this. And, and what, what's rough about this is we believe a lie that we're supposed to. That we're supposed to be able to handle all of these sins on our own. Observation three. This is the sneaky one. This is the tough one to talk about. It's just who I am. Shows a doubt in God. I don't believe God can make this change in my life. Maybe it's something like, I've struggled way too long with this. I've struggled my whole life with this. It's not going away. Or, he doesn't have time to deal with this. I've robbed way too many banks for God to, to really take the time to, to work on my life. I've knocked over way too many liquor stores for God to be able to do something to change me. I've stolen too many cars. Can't get them back. It's too big for God to handle. My problem, the sin in my life, is too big for God to handle. And this is, it's a sneaky one. 
because we don't like to talk about this one. I think it's okay to talk about the self-doubt part because it puts that, it kind of gives us this like false humility where we say, well, I'm not perfect. And everybody kind of knows that. So you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We'll be not perfect together. And we, we settle there because that's a lot easier than saying the truth is I don't believe that God has what it takes to make the changes in my life that are necessary to get rid of this sin in my life. I don't believe God has what it takes to pull this sin from my life, to to break my heart, to cleanse my heart, to redeem me, to sanctify me. It's a lot tougher to say, and that's why I think it sneaks in a lot easier. It's this attitude of, I have a big problem or it's, a, it's an attitude I have, uh, it's a big problem, small God attitude. My problem is too big. God is too small for this. This is why when Jesus tells people to have uh, faith, and he says faith is like a mustard seed, it really wrecks shop with a lot of people. Mustard seeds are tiny. Jesus abides in an upside-down kingdom where big is small and strength is weakness and weakness is strength and so forth and so forth and leaders serve. The king washes his disciples' feet. That's the Jesus kingdom. That's his perspective. And so when he says something like have faith like a mustard seed, we go, see, like you're talking about mustard seeds. You have no idea the problem in my life. I think there's a little bit of a spectrum here. Some of us, sometimes it's a laugh we give. Um, Genesis 17, um, Abraham is held up as one of the pinnacles of faith, right? One of our spiritual forefathers. And God has already promised him. By Genesis 17, God has already promised him that his disciples are going to outnumber the stars. And he has... Ishmael to show for it, which isn't great. And God says, no, I'm going to bless you with a son. And Abraham laughs. He goes, I'm 96, dude. I don't think Abraham called God dude. I'm going to take that back. <laughs> but Abraham laughs. That was his response. God's already blessed him. God says, I'm going to, this is how I'm going to bless you. Like, you and your wife are going to have a baby, and he, he laughs. He goes, God, I'm old. That's not supposed to happen, right? I think that's kind of one end of the spectrum. Sometimes uh, we look at God, we, we feel God pulling apart our life a little bit, pull, tugging at our heart a little bit to pull the sin out. We go, God, you don't know what you're doing here. We kind of chuckle, right? And then there's, step it up a notch, one of my favorites, I, I love Peter. I love Peter. Act first, think later. I really resonate with Peter a lot. Um, Matthew 14. Uh, Peter, uh, Peter and the disciples, they, they've just wrapped up a, a time of Jesus teaching to a huge crowd. Uh, they're traveling across a lake, and there's a storm. Everybody's freaking out. They see somebody out on the water. Peter realizes it's Jesus. So Matthew 14, 28, 
Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. You're doing really good, my man. So far, so good. Like, that's cool. Like that, if the story ends there, you're like, Peter's awesome. The guy's got it. He got out of the boat. He went. This is great. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? This hits home way too hard. I've been called out of the boat before, not literally. We're doing hyperboles today, remember. Um, I've been called out of the boat before, and you start off, and I don't know if this resonates with anybody else, but you start off great, and then you start looking around, and there's some waves, and there's some wind, and the next thing you know, you're clutching at the hand of Jesus not to drown. This is, here's my Star Wars reference, Rich. This is, this is Luke in Empire Strikes Back, right? He's been doing his training. He's got his cool little Yoda backpack doing backflips, <laughs> rock stacking, all kinds of fun stuff in the swamp. And uh, he, he's sitting there, he's trying to balance. And uh, his X-Wing fighter just kind of goes into the swamp, goes down, and loses all of his focus. He was doing so good. He had like the J-E-D in Jedi. He was like one letter away. <laughs> he's doing so good. He, he, he's there. He's doing it. He's moving along. He's making progress. Things are going great. Eh, okay, my ship lands in the swamp. Yoda's like, get it out. Oh, it's too big. And Yoda, being Yoda, it's amazing, just, you know, lifts it up, pulls it out, and he goes, and what does Luke say? I don't believe it. Yoda goes, that's why you failed. Right? It's that lack of faith moment. Everything up to that point has gone great, but we look at the big problem we look at the big, the big ship in the swamp, and we go, no, no there, there's the line. It's too much. And that's what I'm talking about here in this observation when we say it's just who I am. That's, that's our line. That's our breaking point where we go, mm, nope. God can't do anything past this point. Doesn't matter how much he's helped me back here. Doesn't matter how much I know God has already traveled with me doesn't matter how much I know I've given my life over to God, but, but here's my line. This is just who I am right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay right here. This is my border. Jesus really steps on some toes in, in John chapter 10. There's, I haven't heard this passage a lot. Like We always end John chapter 10 before this part. Um, if you like salty Jesus... This is really great passage. Um, if you like your Jesus with some like toe stepping involved, like your sandals are getting crunched, here we go. Uh, John chapter 10 is a great, great story he tells of the shepherd knows the sheep, and the sheep know my voice, 
It's a lesson we use here at New Vintage Church all the time. I love that lesson. Immediately following, the Pharisees want to stone Jesus to death because they obviously know, uh, they don't know the story of what they just heard. And that's what Jesus calls them out on. G uh, John chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus answers, <clears throat> I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice and they follow me. I've had conversations before of people getting really, really, really frustrated with God. Well, God can't do this. God doesn't do this in my life. I kind of want to just open this up and say, are you one of his sheep? We're gonna, you're going to call out God and say, well, it's just who I am. There's no changes being made. We're going to call out God. And there hasn't been anything there. There hasn't been any contrite heart. There hasn't been any listening to the voice of the shepherd. And you're going to immediately go to, well, boom, it's who I am. God can't do anything in my life without any trying whatsoever. The spectrum there. Observation four. All right, let's really, really step on some toes. Hey, if you haven't been uncomfortable yet, let's get really uncomfortable here. Um, observation four. Um, the sarcastic me part uh, put in notes. This would never happen today. Um, so I, I, I want you to hear this with, the, with a lot of salt coming from me. Observation four, passing the burden. This is who I am. You're going to have to deal with it. This is just who I am. You're going to have to deal with it. Okay. We've weaponized it. We've gone from not caring at all. I don't really want to make this change. Or to, I don't think I can do it. Dial it up a notch a little bit with, I don't think God has the power to do this. Now we've weaponized with, not only am I not going to change, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to embrace this sin in my life. And not only am I not going to do anything about the sin in my life, you now have the responsibility of dealing with the repercussions of my sin. I have no desire to change. This is who I am. If you say anything negative about me or my sin or give me any call to change, you're in the wrong. You've never heard that. <laughs> I'm a bank robber. It's just who I am. Don't tell me to change. If you tell me to change, you're judging me. If you're telling me to change, you hate me, and you hate who I am.
please, please, please record that clip and take it out of context and put that online. <laughs> Would love for that to go viral. I'm a bank robber, it's just who I am. <laughs> I'll tell you what I told the ladies at the grocery store. My name is Tim Spivey. <laughs> now we weaponize our sin. We embrace it. We turn it around and we say, no, you're going to have to deal with this. I want you to, I want you to orient your life around my sin now. Isaiah 5:20 Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter That's Old Testament this has been going on for a while I love that who call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness. We've struggled with this for a long time. We've been weaponizing our sin against other people for a long time. The truth is, we can kind of do this because we know we've all sinned, right? You know, Romans 3, 23, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but it doesn't stop there. He says that sin is death, and I'm dead to that. I'm getting baptized into Christ. There's, there's a process of transformation that's going on. That's not the end of my story. I'm not in that sin anymore. There's movement forward going on. There's a reclamation project that God is doing in my heart. <clears throat> this is why I love Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are called to be in a process of transformation. Constantly. The verse before this says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a, okay, I've made this change, now I'm done, and I'm good to go. It's a living sacrifice. It means on the daily... I am sacrificing whatever it takes to make this change in my life. I am constantly being transformed. I'm constantly renewing my mind in the way that I see the world and respond to the world and the sin in my life and the way that I respond to that sin in my life. It's a constant process. And I think there's two things that this brings. I think it brings us a little bit of humility. God meets us right there where we are at. And we bring our pride from God walks with us as we're transformed. God meets us right here and says, I will walk with you as you change. We will move together. We, we have that chance to walk with God and that's where our pride comes from. 
So where do we go from here? I think God calls us continually to become something greater than who we are now. In kingdom terms, right? In a kingdom where the meek inherit the earth. In a kingdom where the king washes his disciples' feet. In, the ki- in a kingdom where blessed are the peacemakers and the first will be last. In that type of kingdom, in that context, I believe that who God calls you to become will always be greater than who you are now. Not necessarily status or riches or popularity or influence, but in kingdom terms, who God calls you to become will always be greater in kingdom terms than who you are now. It's going back to the the self-doubt thing, right? We don't see ourselves, we don't see the potential in ourselves that God does. And so there's some encouragement. I love how uh, the letter to the church of Thessalonica ends. It's this great, um, it's this great wrap-up to a letter that calls people forward and calls people to grow and change. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Don't settle. Don't stop here. Don't just as I am, or it's just who I am, right here. Don't quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Sanctification is a process. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. There's movement forward. There's a call to action here. There's a stepping away from evil. I know I have this in my life. You know what? I need to stop knocking over liquor stores. I know it. And there's a call to move away from that. Now I need to stop stealing cars, too. No more just who I am. I'm going to move. And I think one of the ways we do this goes back to John chapter 10. We commit ourselves to knowing the shepherd's voice. When we commit ourselves to knowing the shepherd's voice, when we commit our, we, what we are doing when we commit ourselves to learning the shepherd's voice, to learning the language of God, to learning to to hear what he has to say in the conversations that we have with his word, the conversations that we have with him in prayer, the conversations that we have with his righteous saints that bless our lives with holy words, the people that speak into our lives godly wisdom. When we commit ourselves to knowing the shepherd's voice in those situations and in those contexts. We're called to change. It's part of that transformation process. And the blessing about this is God loves you too much to leave you where you are. 
He will meet you right here, right now, wherever you are, and He will completely wreck your life for good. Wherever you're at. That's what I love about this. Wherever you're coming from, great. We'll start there. But we're going to move. We're going to move closer to God. What I love about this, too, is we move together. 